This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Should be glad that some of those George Washingtons you got rid of, you won't miss them. Amen. So I appreciate your, your faithfulness. We're beginning a brand new series here in October, The Believer's Authority. We want to talk about the new creation, what God has done in us, but out of that new creation, what He's restored to us. You know, I'm so glad for the forgiveness of sins, aren't you? I'm so glad that when I stand before the Lord because of what Jesus did, God's not going to call up all my sins. That might take eternity anyway. So, But I'm so glad they're forgiven. But you know, God's done more than that. He has restored us back into right relationship with Him. The Bible says we've been made righteous in Christ Jesus. We have been restored back to our privileges as children and sons of God. And a part of that is the authority that God's delegated to us as believers. You know, sometimes, and I'm a great believer, those of you who are members here, you know this, I'm a great believer in prayer. Prayer is, is, is a mighty, mighty tool that God's given us to pull down strongholds, defeat the enemy, and receive from God. But there are many things that, you know, that we are dealing with that we also need to understand that coupled with prayer, we need to exercise the authority that God's delegated to us as His children, as a part of His church. Amen. And there are many obstacles, many difficulties that we're facing that will only be dealt with if we also use that God-given authority to us. So we're going to be looking and unpacking this this whole month. This is what our series is going to be about. So I want to introduce it today. If you will, if you have your Bibles there, I know they'll probably put it up on the screen, but Ephesians chapter 1. I love the book of Ephesians. I'm sure you probably do too. It is a rich, rich book, and, uh, you know, I've been reading and studying it for 40-something years, and I still feel like I'm about ankle-deep, if that far. It's so, it's so rich. It's so full. Uh, here in Ephesians 1, Paul is, actually, he, it's a prayer that Paul is praying, but I want us to look at some insight. And let, let me just say, you know, these prayers of Paul in, in the epistles here, in Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians and Thessalonians and other places, you know, those are Holy Spirit-inspired prayers. And, you know, those kind of prayers, they don't wear out. You can just you can pray them for yourself. You can pray them for your family. You can pray them for your brothers and sisters. They are powerful, and they're full of life. G, uh, Paul is writing here, and we're going to pick it up in verse 19. He's talking about this prayer. He says he's praying. He says... Well, well, we'll pick it up in 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart, that is our inward man, may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above. Everybody say far above. Woo. I like that. 
all rule and authority and power and dominion. Hallelujah. <laughs> that about covers it, doesn't it? And every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body. 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 The fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. Now, I want you to notice something here. First of all, I want you to remind you, and Paul reminds us in this prayer, that God wants us to know what happened when Jesus uh, consummated the plan of redemption. What happened in that? He said, I want you to know what that's about. He said, I want you to know the riches, the depths of it, what was accomplished there. Not only did He provide forgiveness for our sins, but He redeemed us. We were raised up together with Him seated together with Christ, far above all principalities, powers, might, and dominion. Now notice he said Jesus was raised up this way, but he says that we, the church, individually and collectively, are His body. Amen? Now you know, if you saw me coming, you wouldn't say, well, there comes uh, Norse's head in his body. I hope you wouldn't say it like that. No, when we 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 say when you when you hear here comes Norris, you know that that means you know all things being equal, my head, my feet, my leg, all it's all coming together. It's a package, right? And this is what Paul is saying. He said, "I want you, among other things, to understand this: that that the head, Jesus, yes, has been seated. He's been raised up above all principality, power, and dominion." And he said, "But I want you to know that the same power that was exerted by God to raise Jesus up in that lofty position and give Him victory has also worked in you and raised you up because you are His body." Amen. You know, one day the Scriptures teach us we're going to get a brand new body, aren't we? And Paul writes over there in, Thessal in Thessalonians, hallelujah, I'll be skinnier in those days, have more hair. Because God's keeping up with every hair I've lost off my head. That's what he said. <clears throat> but there in Thessalonians, Paul said, you know, he said, we don't grieve as others who have no hope because we know that when Jesus returns... Amen. When he, he returns in his glory, that, that, you know, those who have gone on to be with the Lord before, he said, the grave's going to open up and they're going to be raised up, aren't they? And they're going to get a brand new body. Hallelujah. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And we, which are alive, we will be changed. So we know that power will work at that time in the external man. But what we want to understand and what Paul is endeavoring by the Holy Spirit to help us to understand is that that action has already taken place in the inward man, in the spirit of man, if we are in Christ. And you know, when I get that brand new body, you know, I'm not going to have, you know, a brand new head and the rest of me is still going to be the old no, I'm going to, it's going to be the whole deal. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet, I'm going to get a brand new body. Every cell is going to be brand new. Amen? 
And so when God raised up Jesus, he says, this is what I'm wanting you to understand. Paul says, I'm praying this for you, uh, church at Ephesus. But you know what? We can pray for us here, church at, at Montgomery and Passion Church. God wants us to understand that. It's a mighty thing. Look in Colossians. You're real close there. Colossians 2. Notice what he says here. He's, again, he's speaking about the, the triumph of Christ. And he says in verse 15, After taking away our sins, nailing it to the cross, counseling out all our sin debt, it says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now, here's the thing. Christ's victory is his church's victory. Amen? He, he, didn't, he didn't triumph just for, he didn't need to triumph for himself, really, did he? Because he never sinned. He was the perfect, spotless son of the living God. So his triumph was not for himself. It was for us, his people. He triumphed over those principalities. He put them under his feet, which means what? They're under our feet. Because I don't care if you're the bottom of the little toe in the body of Christ. He is still under your feet. Amen. And so the triumph was for you and I. He did that so that we would no longer, what, sin would no longer have dominion over us, Paul told the Romans. Isn't that right? Because we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace. By grace, we have been saved, raised up, made brand new creatures in Christ, and now we have been delegated a portion of that authority as His body. Now, authority is always used, whether it's in the natural or the spiritual. Authority is used to govern, isn't it? It's used to govern. You know, we use this example many times. You know it's true. If you were uh, uh, driving along in your car, and you, maybe a uh, traffic light is out or something, and they have a policeman there. I mean, you know, he puts, he, he puts up his hand like this. You know what? He can stop a line of cars uh, 10 miles long. Just holding up his hand. Well, what is that? That's not strength. He's not getting out there and putting his shoulder. No, no, that's authority. It's authority. And see, in the same way spiritually, because Jesus has disarmed principalities and powers, he has delegated a portion of that authority. Now, you don't have all the authority. God has all the authority. Amen. As a matter of fact, the Scriptures teach us that even those who rule, uh, you know, governmentally, or as we would say, politically, that authority also comes from God. So our, our authority is limited, it's delegated, but nevertheless, we have more authority, I believe, than we're exercising. And sometimes, you know, we're waiting for God to do something in our situation, in our life. But, you know, the Bible says this. He says, if you'll resist the devil, what will he do? Well, how could you resist him if you don't have any authority? Amen. God says, we know, so we know that's one area where we've been delegated authority. I have authority in my own life. Now, I don't have authority over you. Amen. 
I'm your pastor, not your master. Amen. He's the master. He's the Lord of lords. See, I only have a, a limited authority in my role as pastor. But as believers, we need to exercise in the, the authority that He's given us for our lives, for our spiritual well-being, for, to be able to fulfill what God's called us to do, whatever that may be, in your home, in your occupation, whatever God's called you to do. It's because of Christ's defeat of Satan. We are seated at the right hand. Look over in... Uh, Look over in Ephesians real quickly. Ephesians chapter 2. Notice what he says here. Verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that's now working in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, be, but because of His great love for us. You know, we talk about the love of God a lot and probably not enough. But have we really fathomed what the love of God has accomplished for us? But God, because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. Boy, aren't you glad He's rich in mercy? I'm so glad God's not that old Puritan, you know, God up there with a, ju- you know, with a judge's gavel in His hand just waiting to knock you in the head. I mean, if He did that, we'd all be brainless, wouldn't we? He's made us alive with Christ. He's made us alive with Christ. He's made us alive. He's made us alive. He's made us alive. We now have eternal life. The life of God came in us, making us new creation beings, sons and daughters of the Most High God. He made us alive with Christ. Here's the thing, church. We need to get God's viewpoint rather than man's viewpoint about who we are as the church, both members in particular, and collectively as His body. He says, He's made us alive with Christ, even when we're dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Now look in verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ. Who raised us up? Well, who are we to say that we're not raised? Because, I mean, somebody's lying about it. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him. Seated us with Him. You know, when somebody sits down, usually it means at least for the moment, something's finished. Isn't that right? You sit down. After work's done, you sit down. After a project's done, you sit down. After God created in the original creation, after He had created everything and He saw that it was good, it says He rested. So this seating of Christ means that everything that was needed to be done for our redemption, for God's plan for man, both now and forever through all eternity, it was settled. And he said, because you're seated with Him, it's settled in you. In the mind of God, it's settled in you. Seated with the heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages, wow, 
He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Wow. He's saying it's going to take an omnipotent, omniscient God all eternity to reveal to us what He accomplished through the one act of Christ Jesus, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Let's don't cheapen it. Let's don't cheapen it. God has done a mightier work in you than we've ever realized. We need to acknowledge it. We need, you know, and I realize, you know, this can kind of take a while to get your head around, but I'm going to tell you what, in your heart, you can believe it. In your heart, you can receive it. And that's where we believe anyway, isn't it? You see, with the heart man believeth, and you're justified. So let's believe this. This this is the starting point. But we are raised up together with Him, seated with Him in the heavenly realm, and because of our position, we have been given a certain amount of delegated authority to deal with the issues of our life as it relates to Satan. Amen? When he's coming around, Jesus said he's a thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he's doing. Somebody says, how do I know if it's God or the devil? Well, just look at what Jesus said. If it's killing, if it's stealing, if it's destroying, Jesus said, Jesus said, not the pastor said, Jesus said it's the devil. John 10.10. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So if it's life and it's more abundantly, guess who's in it? That's God. It's It's not complex unless we try to make it complex. We need to understand that. We're talking about seated with Christ, the believer's authority. Where do we get this authority from? It's not from myself. It's not because of any righteousness that you or I have done. It's because of Jesus. It's because of what He did. It's because because of what I've accepted by faith, and God's grace has worked in me and worked in you mightily. And in the mind of God, we're seated in that place. And from that position, we have been given a certain amount of authority. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, you know, take the, take the example I used a minute ago of a policeman. Say he sees, he's, he's been authorized by the state or the city or the county, whichever he might be. He sees a crime being committed, but he does nothing. What would you think? Amen. There's a terrific crash that's happened, an accident that's happened involving several vehicles, and they're all mangled and everything, and you know, and, and, and here you hear the sirens coming, and you think, okay, help's coming, help's coming, help's coming, and you know, and, and you got the paramedics, <clears throat> pardon me, and everybody else, and they just ride right on by. <clears throat> well, they, ha- they could have stopped. They had authority to act. They could have done something to help, couldn't they? And, but, but yet, if we don't exercise our authority as believers, uh-huh, I mean, it's the same thing. <clears throat> we see, see something happening in the lives of our family or in the lives of our neighbors, but we don't act on the authority. We don't act on what God has, has given us as a church, as, as individually and collectively. Then guess what? We're no different. We're like the Levite that walked by, you know, when the, when the Good Samaritan was in the ditch. 
He could have stopped and helped. He was authorized. God had called him, but he didn't do anything. And see, we have to be careful that uh, because nothing that the enemy likes better than to, to convince you that you can do nothing. You're so weak. You're so powerless. You, I mean, what can you, don't, you, you don't need to, you don't need to pray, you don't need to do anything, you don't, you don't need to act, you know, what you, who do you think you are anyway? Well, I don't think I'm anything, I, but I know this, I'm raised up together with Christ Jesus, I'm seated in a place of authority, and God told me, he said, I can lay hands on the sick with that authority and they'll recover. I can resist the devil and he'll flee from me. Amen. I said, I, I've got authority to do that. Amen. We, the church, now get this. Now, don't misunderstand this. I'm saying this this way because, you know, we can get, you know, sometimes we get so religiously used to hearing things that they don't register on us. So, so you know, don't, don't jump up and call me a heretic too quick here, okay? Give me a chance to explain myself. We, the church, are Christ in the earth. Jesus in his resurrected body, is now seated at the right hand of the, phone, uh, uh, of the throne of God. That's where he is right now, bodily. That's where he is. But we are the church, and the Spirit of Christ is dwelling in us, individually and collectively. Isn't that what the Scriptures teach us? Absolutely. So he's ahead, and we're the body. So whatever that, that Christ wants to do in the earth, he's going to do it through his body. Can, can your head dress yourself by itself? You need your hands this morning, right? You, your head was able to handle it all. No. See, Paul said over there in 1 Corinthians 12. Let's, let's look over there just for a moment because I, I want to make sure I'm not misunderstood here. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. He said, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. He goes on to say that the, he talks about, you know, it's different parts of the body. The eye cannot say because I'm not the ear, I'm not part of the body. Isn't that right? So all of it's one body. We are Christ's body. And as his body, he is working through us by his spirit, by his word, and by his delegated authority. Amen? We are authorized. We call it the Great Commission sometimes, but it is a, a commissioning means authority. Isn't that true? If anybody in here served in the military, you know, especially if you were an officer, you, you had a commissioning. They commissioned you. Maybe you were a lieutenant or something like that. Well, along with that commission came a certain degree of delegated authority, didn't it? Now, you, wasn't the, you weren't the admiral. You weren't the president. You weren't one of the joint chiefs of staff. You had a certain amount of authority. But here's the thing we need to understand, that we need to take our place and our authority and begin to use it as the Holy Spirit leads and as the Scriptures teach us so that what? Christ can work through us to accomplish His will, not only in my life and my family, but also through His church reaching the world. Thank you for your enthusiasm. We're one spirit with Christ. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 
I want to establish our position because our authority comes from our position. And our position is by grace. It's not anything you did. Not because you or I were so wonderful or you and I were so spiritual. It's because of what Jesus did. But here's the thing. You know, if somebody gave me a brand new car, I'm going to drive it. I mean, just because somebody gave it to me doesn't mean that I can't drive the car. That I can't use it to get from point A to point B. And yes, all the authority and our righteousness and everything came from God. God did it. We didn't do it. But He gave it to us to use. If I gave you a new car, and I, I, you know, and I, 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 I saw you one time, and I said, how's that, how's that new car? Are you enjoying it? Oh, I, I don't know. I haven't drove it yet, Pastor. You haven't driven it. Why not? Well, you know, man, that's a, that's a brand new. That thing was expensive. I know that must have cost you a bundle. I, you, know, and I, you know, and I just I don't feel worthy to drive it. I just feel so guilty. I, I've got in at a time or two and cranked it, and I thought, oh, wouldn't it be nice? But I just stopped to thinking, you know, I didn't deserve this car. But see, that's, we, we laugh about that, but see, when it comes to spiritual things, that's what we do sometimes. The devil gets us to looking at ourselves instead of looking at ourselves in Christ and the next thing you know, he's got us talking about, you didn't do this right, and you didn't do that right. Who are you to use authority? You know, if a policeman, you know, if he had a headache, authority still works. If he wasn't, you know, if he wasn't exactly feeling tip-top that day, authority still works. Because the authority is not based on him and his feelings. It's based on his position and the delegated authority of the power over him. Our authority is in Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Listen to this. He said, Whoever is united with the Lord is one with Him in spirit. Whoever is united with the Lord is one with Him in spirit. Isn't that what Jesus prayed? In John 17, He prayed to the Father that we might be one. Just as they are one. Now, I don't claim to understand that with my head. I don't know how can I be one with Christ and Christ is one with the Father and we're seated in heavenly places, uh, spiritually speaking and positionally and in the mind of God. I don't know how that could happen. Do you understand everything about the new birth? I, I, know, how to get I, know, I know how to get born again by believing on Jesus and I can tell other people, but I don't know how God does it. Amen? I don't know the, the intimate operations of the Spirit that would come in and regenerate the human spirit and impart Christ's life and His righteousness. I don't know how, but He does it. Amen? You know, sometimes, you know, again, about authority, sometimes, you know, we start uh, getting all worked up about things that are way over our pay grade. Amen? I mean, if I'm a private, I'm not going to get all uptight about what the Joint Chiefs are doing. You know, I'm going to trust God. He knows exactly what He's doing. He knows how to do it. He is a mighty God. He is a supernatural God. And something has happened inside His people, the church, that is supernatural. Yeah, I don't apologize for that word. Amen. Amazes me. 
You know, some, some, some people, precious people, I'm not being critical, think that, you know, the day of miracles is over and everything, but they, I mean, they'll believe in a minute that, you know, when you die, your spirit goes to be with God. Well, if the day of miracles is over, how'd that happen? I, I mean, you could, you know, we're like Jesus says sometimes, we strain in a gnat and swallow the camel. We just can't believe that God could heal somebody, but, oh, we have no problem believing that, you know, when I die, God's going to take my spirit my soul, and they're going to go right up to be with God. Come on. Let's don't make God too little. As a matter of fact, that's the only thing. You can never make God too big. Amen? Because He's infinite. He's greater. One spirit. The head and the body, as we saw there in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, they are to be in sync, to put it in modern vernacular, to be in harmony. And see, this is the whole thing. You know, you know a person that's paralyzed, you know, their mind, their, their, their head can be sending messages to their body, but because something has been damaged the, in the nerves or whatever, the, the message doesn't get transmitted to the hand or the foot or whatever they're saying, and so nothing happens, even though they're thinking, I want to move, I want to move, I want to move, I want to move my hand, I want to move my hand. And how many times is this happening when Jesus is the head, and He's saying, I want to move my body, I want to move my body, but my body won't move, something's wrong, there's a communication problem, I want to move my body, I want to move my finger, I want to move my hand. We need to be in sync. This is part. And see, but see, if we're saying, well, you know, Jesus, you know, and here's the thing. Sometimes we can say a truth and we extrapolate that to excuse ourselves from any activity. Well, God's all-knowing. God's all-powerful. God can do anything. God says He's working everything out to my good. So I'm just going to sit down over here. I ain't going to do it. I don't have to do anything. We don't need to do anything. I mean, God's going to do it. If God don't do it, then He didn't want it done. Boy, that's that's a real easy cop-out, isn't it? Try that at work and see how it goes. Well, you know, you can just tell your boss, well, you know, I just, you know, I figured you was going to do it all. He said, no, I delegated that project to you. I delegated that responsibility to you. I'm expecting you to do it. Isn't that right? Doesn't the Bible teach us that there's going to be accountability, not for our salvation, but there's going to be accountability about what we did with what Jesus gave us? But isn't it true? Wouldn't it be unjust to hold people accountable when you never gave them any authority to do anything? So if he's going to Each one of us is going to give an account to God. We must have some degree of authority delegated to do it. Amen? You know, we need to, in the church as a whole, we need to stop living, here again, listen to me carefully, just living at the cross, we need to move beyond that. You know, I see, I see crosses, and I understand the sentiment there, but you see uh, crucifixes, you know, Jesus is still on the cross. Again, I'm not trying to be critical of anybody, but Jesus is not still on the cross. If He's still on the cross, we're in trouble. 
Because the Scriptures teach us very plainly that, that the cross absolutely was necessary. But if God, He wasn't raised from the dead, He said, you're still dead in your sins. We need to go by the cross absolutely. But we don't need to live there and camp there. We want to move on past the, the death and the burial. And we want to live, Paul said, I want to know Him in the power of His resurrection. God wants us to live a resurrected, seated with, at the right hand of the Father with Christ. That's the life He wants us to live. Not defeated, not discouraged, not beat down, not under the thumb of the devil, but rather rejoicing in our position as part of the body of Christ. <clears throat> so we need to move from that, amen? Yes, we got to go by the cross. I'm going to repeat that because somebody say, Pastor said, that, you know, we don't need the cross. I didn't say that. We absolutely need that. Absolutely. Without the cross, you're dead in your sin. See, it's a, it's a package thing, all of it together. But where we live is, Paul said, seated. He didn't say that we were, yeah, we were crucified with him. He said, but nevertheless, I live. Christ was crucified for us. Nevertheless, He lives. He was raised up by the glory of God, the Bible says in one place. And we also were raised with Him. That's where we live. Thank God for the cross, always. But we live in resurrection. That's where our authority rests. Seated with Him in the place of authority. Turn over to Colossians. I mean, give me just a few more minutes here. Colossians 3, <clears throat> verse 1, Paul's again speaking to believers. Since then you have been raised with Christ. You have been raised with Christ. He's repeating the same thing throughout his epistles to the church. You have been, he said, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts, your inner man, your affections, your spirit, on the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Where are we to have our mindset when it comes to our relationship with God as a part of His body? We, he says, set your thoughts, your affections, your hearts on what? Things above. Things above. But where do many believers find their affections, it's on their problems, it's on their circumstance, it's on their feelings, it's on what, what is not right in their life. And many times, because the devil keeps our focus there, we never can rise up above them. We're waiting on God to do something. Well, I'm, I'm just waiting on God. No, you're not. He's waiting on you. Get in the car and drive it. He said, set your minds, verse 2, on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, cross, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Your life's now hidden with Christ. Where is Christ? In God. Where is He at? Seated far above all the principalities and powers and might and dominion. Amen? See, if this were not true... There's no way you could fulfill, no way we could fulfill the Great Commission. 
If the devil is bigger than us, if he's got more authority than us, how in the world can we do that? I mean, you know, go back to what we talked about authority with the policeman. You know, the policeman can, can hold his hand up and stop just about any traffic. But let the president's motorcade come by. I remember one time, I forget where it was. Uh, I don't know if it's Dallas or Houston or somewhere. And I forget who was in office at the time. But we got, we got caught in one of those, what they call them, rolling when the president's moving, uh, you know, a, a rolling motorcade. And, I mean, you know, they, they shut down this part until he gets so many miles ahead, and then they release it and, and go on ahead. Well, you know, a policeman can't get out there and say, well, hey, wait a minute. We don't, that's not the way we do it here in Houston. You ain't got that kind of authority. <laughs> His authority trumps your authority. Isn't that right? And while the devil does have some authority, he can act, can he? But see, you have been given, because you're in Christ, greater authority. But see, again, if we don't use it, it doesn't do us any good, does it? Turn to Romans 5. See if we can kind of put a, find a stopping point on this. We're just getting it introduced. As I said, we're going to unpack this more. <clears throat> you and I, because we're seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father, we're at the apex of authority. But by that, what I mean by that is that you don't have all the authority, but authority that's been delegated to us comes from the apex of authority, which is the Father God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Romans 5 Verse 17, listen to this. Paul says, if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, and it does reign. I haven't been to a lot of countries, but I've been to a few around the world, and I haven't been to one yet where they said, you know what? Nobody's died here in years. No, death reigned because sin reigned through the one man. Isn't that right? I mean, I didn't ask. I mean, I wasn't. I didn't get to vote on whether Adam obeyed God or not. He did it without me. <laughs> were you there? No, you weren't there either, were you? How much more? Whew. How much more? There's a whole lot of death going on in there. But he said, "How much more? How much more?" Will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness. Woo! What you doing with that righteousness? Well, I keep it shined up and it's on the mantle. No, God wants you to live out of it. Live in it. That is really, if, you, if we look at this, that righteousness is what establishes us to act on that authority. And he says it's by grace. And the gift of righteousness reign in life, not reign in heaven, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Through the one man, Jesus Christ. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know you've been born again. Listen, this is who you are. 
in the mind of God. This is what you have received by the finished work of Jesus, His death, burial, and resurrection, and seating at the right hand of the Father. Now, it's up to you and I as to what we will do with it. We can be like the parable of the talents where the, 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 the guy that was given one talent, he went and buried it. Boy, he thought he was really being spiritual. Here it is, Lord. I didn't lose it. I didn't lose it. So many of us are li- living, you know, life not to lose it. I don't want to take any risk. I don't know about, you know, I, you know we don't want you know, be careful, Pastor. The devil might hear you. He's the very one we want to hear us. Jesus is Lord, and I don't mind telling him. Amen? Let me give you some action points, and then we're going to pray. Now, I'm speaking especially to believers right now. Are you living at the cross or at the throne? The cross is where... The lamb without spot, the sin offering was made. He was made to be sin for us. He bore our sins. That's the cross. And see, if you you, you got to go by there, but if you live there, it'll keep you always thinking about, you know, you don't deserve it. Uh, you know, I'm just no good and all of that. Well, listen, let's just get this out of the way. None of us deserved it, and none of us were good. That's why we, the cross was needed. But because of what Jesus did at the cross, at his, through His burial, through His resurrection and seating, that same process spiritually has happened in me. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, what? I've been raised up together with Him and seated in the heavenly places. So I'm going to live from a resurrection point of view. Always revering the cross, but I'm going to live from a resurrection point of view. Where is your focus? On the earthly or the heavenly? You know, most people can tell you more about their problems, their aches, their pains, what's wrong, what's not right. They can tell you more about that than they can about what Jesus has done in them through the new birth. Come on. Man, we know, you know, who's mayor of of Saigon, but we don't know anything about this. I'm not saying that we stick our head in the, the dirt. I'm not saying that. But at the same time, we need to be aware of what is ours. Because if we're going to exercise this authority, we need to know what, what's been given us how it's been given us, and why it's been given us. And we're going to unpack this more as we go along. And then finally, another question here, will you take your place of authority? Because you have to. Just like I mentioned about, you know, the paramedics, the policemen, they've all been authorized. They have a certain level of authority that's been given to them. But if they don't act on it, they don't use it in the right way and in the right time, what good does it do? And remember, we said authority is about governing. It's about governing. It's governing our lives under Christ. Amen. It's about letting other people know that, you know what? Satan's dominion and rule has been broken. 
You don't have to live there anymore. There is a greater authority that can set you free. His name is Jesus, and I'm an authorized distributor of the gospel. Isn't that what he said? We know that from the Great Commission. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me. Therefore, you go. He didn't say, I'm going to go. Obviously, he's going to go with us. But he said, therefore, you go. You go into all the world. You preach the gospel. You lay hands on the sick. You do something about the devil. Thank you. Hallelujah. Well, bow your heads. Let's pray. I'm going to pray for all of us. I'm going to pray this prayer of Paul over here in Ephesians. Okay, is that all right with you? Let me just get over there so that I can pray it pretty much by memory, but I'll pray it exact if I'm reading it out. Now, Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Lord, as you gave this prayer to the church through the Apostle Paul, Lord, I'm praying this for, for all those who are watching uh, online and all of us here. Lord, I'm asking you right now, Father, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. Father, I pray that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you've called us and the riches of your glorious inheritance in us, your holy people, and your incomparably great power for us who believe, we do believe, that power which is the same as the mighty strength you exerted when you raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand, your right hand, in heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God, that you have placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which we are a part of, His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. Amen and amen. Well, all this Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.